0: Entertainment, compassionate and trusted care, clinical expertise—it's the cornerstone of Novacare Rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at Novacare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose Novacare, so can you. Novacare—the power of physical therapy.
1: I didn't grow up a Cowboys fan, so it was easy for me to root against the Cowboys. I sort of knew that it was a rivalry there. Forget about what you may have felt about the Cowboys prior to coming to Philadelphia. You had better get on board with the Cowboys
2: sucks mantra when you put on those Eagles colors. I guess the reason why I dislike the Cowboys so much is they would always win. They'd always beat us. I can remember one of Buddy's
3: press conferences, he said, You know, if we don't win but two games a year, you can damn well believe we're going to beat Dallas' ass twice a year.
4: I knew very little about the rivalry. And it really didn't hit me until the week of our first game against Dallas that I started to understand there's something different about this game. It's not like the other ones.
5: No, there was no orientation. I remember the first time we played Dallas, you could just kind of feel the tension during the course of the week like this game was a, a bit a bit bigger than the other games.
4: Rivalries sometimes are built around just a single incident that people don't forgive or forget.
0: Welcome to Return Game, Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood. I'm your host, Rob Ellis. This season, Derek Gunn and I have explored the decades-long rivalry between the birds and the boys. If you've been listening all along, you know why these teams have been bitter enemies for what seems like forever. If you don't, head back to episode one for all the details. But anyway.
1: It still whips Eagles fans into a frenzy. Whenever it's Cowboys week, the atmosphere in the city changes. Players and coaches know what's on the line. Even if the Eagles are playing their best, as long as they crush Dallas, fans are ecstatic. It's Cowboys week, and you
6: know if you can't get up for this, then you're in the wrong spot. You have to just put records aside, and you have to just play ball. Any given Sunday, anything can happen, so we're going out there preparing for a fight.
5: Everybody be around here yelling, Cowboys week, Cowboys week. I feel like this week is like a whole nother feeling. I feel like it's like either Super Bowl or die.
0: The Eagles-Cowboys are not the only famous or infamous team rivalry. The National Football League has been around for over 100 years, and some of the league's rivalries have existed for nearly as long. If you were to think of one quintessential rivalry, what would it be? And maybe more importantly, which team started it? Chicago's the Field is always jammed for a
1: Green Bay Packers game. This one promises to be a real thriller. The Bears expect
2: some tough competition today. The rivalry between these two teams is the longest in postgraduate football.
7: The NFL would not exist without the Chicago Bears. I think they're very proud of that fact. They are one of the charter franchises. Um, They just celebrated their 100-year anniversary. Papa Bear George Hallis is arguably the most instrumental character in the, the NFL. That's Adam Johns.
1: He's a senior writer for The Athletic in Chicago. He covers the Bears.
7: I grew up in Chicago, so there was no other team to root for and wasn't going to be the one up north. You've
1: probably already guessed it, but that team up north was the Green Bay Packers.
6: August of 1919 was when the Green Bay Packers were founded. That's two years before the NFL even existed. They were uh, founded in town by a local businessman.
1: That man was Curly Lambeau. He was considered the founder of the pack, but he wore many hats. He was a player and the first coach. Rob Domofsky is a Packers reporter for ESPN's NFL Nation. You know, he's been covering this team one way or another since 1997.
6: They were sponsored by Acme Packing, which is a, Green Bay is known for its meat packing and paper packaging industry. And it was started as a semi-professional team. Green Bay's always, I think, felt like the little brother to the big city of Chicago. In the old days, the teams used to go by train back and forth from Chicago to Green Bay. And it just was this natural rivalry that existed. The interesting thing is that
7: neither team was really good at the same time.
1: Back in Chicago, Adam Johns picks up the story.
7: I want to mention George Hallis again. The Packers are are growing. They're they're becoming a successful team. And George Hallis starts using them as a, a rallying cry. You know, the team up north is getting better. The Packers were the team that knocked them off that pedestal. but. They had financial problems. Now, as the tale
0: goes, George Halas loaned Green Bay the money. Wow, that's a twist. I can't imagine that happening in the NFC East. He kept them afloat, and he knew he needed
7: rivals. He knew he needed the Packers. So as much as he hated them as a team, he knew he needed them. The Bears, under George Halas, were willing to share with the Packers in order to make this league work because they needed each other to make this
0: work. You know, Derek, every good rivalry needs somebody who is throwing fuel on the fire.
1: Rob, it sounds like Hallis could be the father of this rivalry. Now, Hallis didn't just bail the Packers out. He advised them on
6: their coaching staff. George Hallis actually helped the Packers get Vince Lombardi to coach. I mean, that's how little of a threat that George Halas thought that the Packers were, is he helped them hire a coach and actually convinced Lombardi, you know, to come up and take this job in this place. I mean, could you imagine in this day and age, the Bears helping the Packers hire a head coach? I mean, there's no way that would ever happen now.
1: So Halas is behind the scenes, pulling some strings and getting Lombardi to leave the Giants. And so, you know, this coaching move angered Giants fans. Now, this rivalry between the Packers and the Bears was complexed. There wasn't one play or one defining moment that started it.
6: There's just so much between these two teams that, you know, every team has their quote-unquote rival, but I'm not sure anybody has one quite as deep in history and as close uh, in terms of the all-time series as the Packers and Bears.
0: The AFC North is home to another bitter rivalry. It's one between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Sure, this one hasn't been around nearly as long as the Bears and the Packers, but it ramped up really fast. Here's a bit of history from Ed Bouchette, a guy who's in his 36th season covering the Steelers.
8: Well, it goes back to the Steelers and Cleveland Browns. Cleveland's two hours from Pittsburgh, and they're almost like suburbs of each other and they became huge rivals. The cities are similar. They were steel cities, and Eastern European immigrants settled in those two areas, so they were natural rivals, and they were that way for a long time.
0: Well, that rivalry between the Steelers and the Browns continued from the 1950s until 1995 when the owner of the Browns moved the team to Baltimore. Here, the Baltimore Suns' John Eisenberg picks up the story.
9: The Cleveland Browns moved here. It was very controversial. People in Cleveland were very upset. It was a real inflection point, uh, you know, for pro football. People were upset that a historic team like the Browns had moved. So
0: they came here and started from scratch. But one thing that didn't need a fresh start.
8: Baltimore was the big rival because they were the old Browns and because both teams we were built similarly, good defenses, smash mouth, if you will, use a cliche football, and competing in the same division. It usually was one or the other who won the division title.
0: When the Ravens started in 1995, the Steelers had been under the same family ownership since 1933. They had just two head coaches leading the team since 1969 Chuck Knoll and Bill Cower.
9: The Ravens have been upfront about saying that, I mean, they're their rivals. But they, they admire the Steelers. The Steelers are a great franchise. Once they started winning Super Bowls in the 70s, they've been really good. And so I think the Ravens have sort of copied the Steelers. The Steelers set the bar for them.
0: Rivalries go back and forth. One team is awesome, the other terrible. But when both teams are playing at the top of their game at the same time, watch out. The Ravens got good pretty fast. By 2001, they had won the Super Bowl. Jerry Austin winds the clock, and that will bring
8: Super Bowl 35 to an end. Ray Lewis, the MVP, and what a year that caps for the middle
0: linebacker of the Baltimore Ravens. And the Steelers were on the hunt for more titles.
8: The Ravens went in the Super Bowl in the early part of the century, and before the Steelers won their next two, and it looked like Baltimore was going to be the the great team in the division?
9: It just got hotter and hotter and hotter as it went along. And uh, not only that, they, they play similar styles of football. They're physical teams, a lot of defense, hard hitting. And the AFC North division, that's what it's all about. It's bad weather, it's, it's hard hitting, it's you know mud back in the day, and they really started to get into it.
0: The Kansas City Chiefs' Midwestern nice doesn't extend to the Raiders. It sure doesn't. Now, the Raiders have seen some geographical changes. Oakland, Los Angeles, Oakland again, and now Las Vegas. Kind of makes your head spin.
1: But through all the moves, the Raiders and Chiefs' rivalry
5: has stayed intact. I think that the real true origin is simply that these two teams were good at the right time in the 1960s when everything got started in the AFL.
1: Now, I'm going to interrupt Matt Derrick, a beat writer for Chiefs Digest, for a moment here to remind everybody about the AFL, the old American Football League. It was the NFL's competitor from 1960 to 1966
5: when the two merged. These two teams went to three of the first four Super Bowls, and it seemed like, you know, routinely the division in the 1960s went through one of these two teams. They had players on these teams who were so competitive and so passionate that that bled onto the field and it won't be recognizable to today's football fans because it was so violent. (laughs) They just, they wanted to just absolutely rip each other apart.
1: But then the rivalry lost some of that intensity all through the seventies and
0: eighties. The chiefs just weren't that good, but beating the Raiders was still the goal, which they struggled to do. But similar to other rivalries, even if your coach and players aren't up to it, the fans have one expectation each season. If the Chiefs
5: only won one game every year, you wanted to make sure it was you know, beating the Raiders at Arrowhead. The Raiders
1: knew exactly what the Chiefs were up to because they had the same philosophy, beat the Chiefs twice a year. Here's Paul Gutierrez, the ESPN NFL Nation Raiders reporter.
4: From the
9: Chiefs' perspective, I know that uh, when Marty Schottheimer was the coach, he always had Raiders week didn't matter if the Raiders were 10-0 or 0-10. He wanted to beat the Raiders, and he wanted to beat them bad. Schottenheimer joined
1: the Chiefs as head coach in 1989. From the word go, he really started to fire up the club.
5: Marty was an old AFL guy. He, he believed in the AFL. I mean, that was his passion. He loved it. Everything about the AFL, he loved and there's some fantastic stories you know allegedly he would like even before games tell players that he'd pick up their fines if they got any from the league for dirty play and that's what really brought the rivalry back and i think probably almost to a degree brought it back to its heyday for the fans you know in the 90s when these two teams were good again and it seemed like they were butting heads all the time and marty was really egging it on that's what really, you know, fired it and fueled it up. And I think it's kind of, you know, restored the glory of that rivalry.
0: But when looking for a single division that has some of the fiercest rivalries. We just have to look around our own, the NFC East. And fun fact, Eric, it's one of the few where every team has won a Super Bowl. If you're a fan, you probably already knew the Eagles play in this one. To recap, you've also got the New York Giants, the Washington football team, and the Dallas Cowboys. By now, you should be feeling the energy of the great rivalries in the NFL. It really is the perfect home for intense showdowns.
8: Come on! Come
9: on! I've always kind of likened it to literally, and this is probably overly dramatic, but you can almost go back to the original, you know, Roman gladiators. These guys are in the arena. It is a physical, if not life and death struggle, certainly a survival of of the fittest and the fiercest. And people tend to take a rooting interest in doing more than just winning. It's about beating the other guy down. It's about dominating. It's about your team, not just being the best, but the best ever.
1: That analogy comes from Hub Arcus, the executive editor of Pro Football Weekly. It has us wondering, why does the NFC seem like such
4: a
0: hotbed for rivalries? I
4: think geography helps that they are so close.
0: That's Paul Domowich, who covers the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer. So you've got Philly, D.C., New York. These are all kind of gritty towns with proud working-class heritage and loyal fans. And then Dallas as a bit of an outlier. I
4: worked in Texas for six years in the late 70s and early 80s, and there's just a cultural difference Uh, there was at the time. I mean, you had, you know, that was back during the oil boom. Texas had this, you know, rich persona. I think the cultural difference played a big role in it. Skyler Dixon is a
1: writer for the AP. He covers all sports, including the Dallas Cowboys. He has a theory.
2: I think this idea that everybody... Gears up to beat the Cowboys is more about the off the field stuff and more about the fact that the Cowboys just flat get more attention than everybody else. When something happens with the Cowboys, everybody knows about it and talks about it around the country.
0: That's probably true. I can think of a Dallas headline or two. Now, the Cowboys joined the division in 1960,
1: but here was Dallas in a conference populated by teams from the Northeast. It didn't take long for the other teams to turn Dallas into their rivals.
9: I think it starts really with Tom Landry ending up in Dallas when either he or Vince Lombardi probably should have ended up as Giants head coach.
0: All this coaching flipping happened in the late 1950s. For Ed Valentine, editor of The Big Blue View, it had a real impact on the whole league.
9: The Giants had... Vince Lombardi on their coaching staff as an assistant. They had Tom Landry on their coaching staff as an assistant. Vince Lombardi, of course, ended up in Green Bay as perhaps the greatest coach of all time. And, of course, Tom Landry ended up in Dallas. And the Giants eventually ended up with Allie Sherman.
0: That move may have started a
1: rivalry. Man, just imagine what could have been. Let's talk about some of the crazy ways the Washington football team's rivalry with Dallas got started. It's a dash of urban legend and a little bit of history about, of all things, a fight song.
6: I think when you go back, especially here in Washington, I think the owner of the Cowboys back in the day purchased the Washington team fight song and wouldn't give it up.
0: Wait, is that even true? I believe Brian Mitchell. Here's one of my favorites about the Washington-Dallas rivalry. ESPN reported on it in 2007. All right, let's hear it. Washington spied on Dallas. Tex Schramm, a Cowboy executive, thought Coach George Allen spied on his team. When Allen was coaching the LA Rams in 1967, there was a suspicious vehicle parked near the team's practice field. Schramm traced the license plate to Johnny Sanders, head scout of the Rams. So when Allen moved on to coach in D.C., his spying reputation moved right along with him. When it was Washington week in Dallas, it turned into lockdown. There was a motel located behind the north end zone of Texas Stadium. Some of the rooms overlooked the Dallas practice field during the early 1970s. To keep Allen from peeping, the Cowboys rented every room with a view and kept them vacant for a whole week.
1: I can just imagine the TV version of this story coming to a streaming service near you. Mitchell played for three of the four teams in a conference, but he never played for Dallas. Something, by the way, he's very proud of. As he should be. He's a sports analyst in the D.C. area. He has seen these NFC East rivalries on and
6: off the field. You know, when I looked at the Cowboys when I first got here in Washington, uh, that was one of the big rivalries. And then I got to Philadelphia, as I told a lot of people, it was the exact same way. Uh, A little bit more disdain and hate up there in Philadelphia. People here, they feel that they do, but I think you can see it and feel it in the actions up there in Philly. I think it's the only conference where all teams have won a Super Bowl. And I think that's the ultimate thing. But Dallas kind of, they kind of wanted to rub it in your face when they were doing well. And, And I think that made people just despise them.
0: So if the Cowboys are so reviled by everyone, this is as good a time as any to ask a question I've had for a long time. How did the Cowboys land the spot as America's team?
8: Then the whole America's team, you know, everybody in every city said, what do you mean America's team? You know, who do you think you are?
0: Yep. Ed Bouchette is right. That was and still is the general consensus. Who do they think they are? It's one of the top reasons fans and even our players gave for not liking the boys.
10: Okay, my name is Bob Ryan, and I was a vice president of NFL Films for many, many years. I started in 1964, and I worked there for almost, oh, 45 years.
0: Ryan grew up a sports fan. In fact... He was from Philly.
10: I followed the Eagles because my dad and I had season tickets. He had season tickets for the Eagles at Franklin Field.
0: A teenage Ryan was in the stands at the 1960 championship game against Green Bay.
10: The Eagle fans have always been crazy. So this was ramped up because it was a championship game. The other thing I remember was really, really cold. But the atmosphere was electric. And when they won the game, I don't think I've ever heard an ovation like that when the final gun sounded.
0: The saying, once a fan, always a fan, doesn't ring true for Ryan.
10: My love affair with the Eagles was over ever since I started doing highlights for the Dallas Cowboys.
0: You're probably asking yourself, how does a guy who grew up in this city start working on Dallas highlights? Did he put his hand up? It turns out Ryan was assigned to work on the highlight reels for Dallas. But sadly.
10: I became a real Cowboys fan and it's, uh, you know, I have a passion for other teams when they're playing, but since the Eagles and Cowboys were in the same division, that would be a divided interest and I could not do that.
0: And as Ryan explains it, the Cowboys in the 1970s were pretty popular.
10: They were always on Monday Night Football more than any other team. They were always the second game of the doubleheader on CBS. The ratings for them were through the roof. When you go through the footage, this was way before marketing of apparel. You saw Staubach jerseys, Randy White jerseys, Bob Lilly jerseys, and you didn't see that with other teams. So I said, well, you know, They're the most popular team in football. Uh, Everyone wants to watch them. There was a love-hate thing with fans with them.
0: There sure was. But back to Ryan.
10: I said, why don't we call them America's team? And that became the title of the 1978 highlight. And I thought after the highlight, this would fade away into oblivion because highlights do. But no, it didn't, because the next year, their first preseason game at Texas Stadium, the PA announcer said, and now the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. And when that happened, it exploded.
0: I remember thinking, there's no way Dallas could be America's team. And I wasn't alone. Even Cliff Harris, who was an actual cowboy, wasn't sure how his team got the name.
4: I guess there was a popularity
0: poll or something that that showed that. Charlie Waters played with Cliff Harris, and he remembers it differently. We loved it. We didn't run from it
2: at all. We, We felt like it was true.
0: But being coined America's team came with a fair amount of backlash. You had Philly fans thinking, hey, they signed the Declaration of Independence here. What's more American than that? Washington shared similar sentiments. It was like, look over here. We're the team from the nation's capital. Isn't that a pretty good reason to give us the title of America's team?
2: Maybe we were America's team back in those days. I don't know. I'm sure the Philadelphia fans didn't think we are. (laughs) None of them are America's team except us. And so they all hate us. Everybody hates us. So we knew that. And it made us play better.
0: I think this label just added to the bird's desire to put a stop to the Cowboys' success. And as Jerry Sizemore puts it, he couldn't stand it or them. They were America's team. They were
3: the class of the the football program for everybody. And uh, we played them twice. And we hated them. The city hated them. And so it was just, it was fun to beat down Dallas, you know. Everybody... You know, you can get some support walking down Broad Street. You know, if you all you did was yell, "Dallas sucks," it would be okay. People would be slapping high five. <laughs> but that's the beautiful thing about Philly. We all hate Dallas. In the beginning, we had eleven players in our locker room, eleven members of our roster uh, from Texas. They had zero. You know, it's America's team in Texas, and you don't have any texas football players on your team which was football's religion down here it's big 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 business and you know america's team has no texas players what
0: and over 40 years later we still have the same feelings about this america's team business so there's plenty of eagles fans
1: who would tell you the cowboys are our biggest rival and Giants fans, and Washington fans. But who does Skyler Dixon think the Cowboys actually see as their biggest rival?
2: The way I look at it is, yes, all three of those teams sort of view the Cowboys as the rival. I do think it's a two-way street. But I think since then, those other two have become as much rivals as Washington. I take it back to when the Eagles, they got good just as the Cowboys were winning those Super Bowls in the early 90s. I mean, they stayed good while the Cowboys got bad.
0: Yep, rivalries are cyclical.
2: So the Eagles were one. The Giants became one. It's been pretty unique because it's been going on for many, many, many years and all that good stuff.
1: And here's some good news for Birds fans. Cowboys fans might hate us as much as Eagle fans hate them. The top spot is ours.
2: It's been kind of back to the Eagles more recently because they've been, particularly the last four or five years, they've basically just been handing the, division title back to each other back and forth for the last few years. There is
1: something about this city and its sports fans especially during a rivalry game with the Cowboys. They're never afraid to voice their opinions. If an Eagles fan is not pleased with something you'll know about it no matter what. As Paul which says, they will be in the stands rooting
4: or booing the team. I know so many people that you know would work two jobs to pay for a season ticket that would you know, make sacrifices just so they could be there on Sundays to watch this team play. You see it more in football than you do in other sports where it's a part of your life. It's almost like a religion. And particularly in this town, it just means so much to these people, which is why in 2017 when they won the Super Bowl was just an incredible thing for Eagles fans.
8: And the game was over! The game was over! The Philadelphia our Super Bowl champions, oh. Eagles fans oh. everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin.
0: You've been listening to Return Game Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood, presented by NovaCare Rehabilitation. Now, we have a question for you Do you have an idea for our next season? Is there a game, a decade, a coach, or a player whose story you'd like us to tell? We'd love to hear your suggestions. Head over to iTunes and leave us a review, and while you're there giving us five stars, tell us your idea for Season 3 of Return Game. Thanks for listening. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare Rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare. So can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy.